Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. Welcome back. I usually have like a whole introduction, um, but I'm really excited because today I have a guest with me named Anna Michaels Boffy, and she wants to share her incredible story. So I figured I'd skip the intro and just let her take it away. Hi, Anna. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with me. Yes. Um, yeah, I just, I, I want to give you the space to share and to just tell the world your, your triumph with grief. So take it away. Cool. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not sure if I could label that, but sure. (laughs) Um, yeah. So my story, um, I lost my dad at, when I was 18, Mm -hmm. um, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer when I was 16. Mm -hmm. He, um, had smoked only for just like college and I mean, he probably grew up with some secondhand smoke from being a kid in the fifties and sixties. And, um, he worked in like an old basement and stuff. So who knows like what he was breathing down there, but he was like a marathon runner for 30 years. He ran every single day. He was a swimmer. He like pretty much was like the healthiest person everyone knew. So, um, and actually the way he discovered his, um, lung cancer was that he was running a marathon and was like, Oh, I don't, I don't feel like I'm breathing really well, like the way I should be. And so he went and got checked and then they thought maybe it was asthma. And so then that's how it found out, which is just kind of crazy. I think that like, he found out by running a marathon. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like the irony. Yeah. So, um, he got on, um, some trials to, um, kind of prolong the, how long he could be live with it. And, and we got about two and a half years, which is pretty long for lung cancer, mm. which I think we feel really lucky about that. And he still was running every day. He wow. went, we traveled abroad. We like pretty much still lived, lived like a totally normal life. So, um, the only, it was really only like bad, maybe two weeks up until he died. So wow. it was, we feel really lucky about that. Um, and then like two weeks later I left for college um so um and then my sister was 14 I think and my brother um was eight almost nine wow okay yeah big spread between you guys yeah um so I mean that's sort of my what happened just from like being in high school and then I went to college and I really kind of when I think about my life of with my dad without my dad it's basically like my entire childhood Mm -hmm. and my adulthood without him so my my dad is Mm -hmm. in my childhood and my adulthood is without my dad yeah I I said that opposite yeah yeah, but But anyway (laughs) um so yeah um so it's just kind of interesting to kind of think about like listening to your story and people who've lost their parents when they're adult because they miss so much of what their relationship was and as an adult, but like, I don't even know what my life, my relationship would have yeah. been with my dad. I mean, obviously I think we would have had a great relationship. Right. Like we're, 
he was really into politics. I'm super into politics yeah. and that kind of thing. But um, so in a way, it was almost easy for me to kind of transition into a different life because I just left Denver. Yeah. And is that how you've, wow, I, yeah. So you, the timing of that is just so poignant. Mm-hmm. Like you are literally closing this chapter of your life mm-hmm. and starting a huge one going to college and you went out of state, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. But I think for me, it was also, I mean, maybe it was kind of what people would say avoidance or something, mm-hmm. but, um, my dad was pretty well known in Denver. And as you know, as a local native, you really can't go anywhere without running into somebody, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I just remember like a week after, or so my, after my dad died, my sister and I were at the mall and we were, you know, just doing our thing. I was shopping for some college clothes or whatever. And then, um, we ran into somebody and she was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, hi. Yeah. And so like pity and, yeah. and like looking at us and we're just, yeah, yeah. And it was just, we were just like, lady, we just, we just want to go shopping, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and so it was really then that I was happy to leave Denver. I mean, I was sad to leave my family in such yeah. a traumatic situation but it was pretty nice to be able to have just kind of started fresh um but I do when I look back on like my first semester or maybe the whole first year um as much as I kind of just started off like I'm totally new person no one knows what just happened to me um it was pretty hard to like come to college and I mean in your college, you start smoking cigarettes. Lots of people yeah. are like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm an adult now. I can do whatever I want. And so just kind of seeing people walking around thinking that they're making a very adult decision. And I'm like, you're making a, such an adult decision that screw you, you could, yeah. yeah, you're making, you could, this could be a life sentence. And so that was, yeah. I remember being really hard to watch. And I just wanted to go up to people being like, this decision, you might, you yeah. might not be able to see your kids grow up and, yeah. you know, and so that was, kind of a hard um, thing to watch and then um but wait I have to go back so you said you said that you were going and starting over and no one knew what was happening did you like that I think so yeah I mean I I know my my close friends that I started making knew right but it wasn't like I was announcing to the world but yeah. then I do remember probably a few weeks into the first semester um I was meeting new people meeting new friends and I met this this guy and um, he had grown up d- near um, the town my dad grew up in, upstate New York. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, grew up going there all the time and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, um, ask your dad if he knows so-and-so. And I was like. You just froze in your tracks. And yeah. And so I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and then it was awkward, too, because my friends who did know were all like, oh, my God. You know, Why and didn't you say something? Yeah. And it's yeah. just one of those things that you know, you never want to make someone feel bad. I mean, of exactly. course he didn't know. Right. Of course. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, um, those were kind of things. And then I remember, um, my junior year, I went abroad, um, and like half of my abroad study group, um, they all smoked cigarettes, like heavily smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time like walking through them as they were like on a smoke break and they said something, um, they were like, oh, sorry, don't mind us, the future cancer recipients or something. And oh. I was just like, you don't even, you don't Did even you know. Did you say something? No, but then I like called my mom and yeah. I was, it was really hard for me to get past my judgment and sort of, I fully couldn't see past who they were. Be- yeah. Like I, I 
judge their whole character because yeah. of the way they were smoking. And my and so I called my mom. I was so upset. I was like, I can't be friends with these people. And she's like, Anna, they don't have the connection to smoking and lung cancer like you do. You're going to yeah. have to move past that, that people aren't going to be as connected about that as much as you are. Right. And so I think that was helpful in just kind of understanding what my kind of anger and mm-hmm. and frustration with people that they didn't really see like what their consequences what the consequences would be for them yeah making these decisions um I like wanted to wait it's so I mean on the one hand I didn't I didn't want to talk about it all the time but on the other there was this piece of me that just wanted to walk around with like you know those sandwich boards that people wear to games of just like my dad is dead like I just <laughs> literally wanted to wear that everywhere because I was like People need to know, like, I can't believe that I'm going to meet people now from this point on who will not know that, like, I used to have a dad. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And that, to me, was, like, confounded me. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt this need to, like, announce it anywhere I went. I didn't. But I was, like, I really want, like, at the grocery store, I would be, like, excuse me, everyone. Like, I was just, like, (laughs) it's so, it's so weird. Yeah. But well, it's funny too, because even now it's been 11 years since my dad passed away. And wow. if I'm like having a conversation with someone and I'll be like, oh, well, like my dad passed away. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no. It's, you yeah. don't have to be sorry. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. it's just a fact that I'm saying about yeah. myself. You, you don't need to be sorry at all. Right. And right. it's kind of how I remember I felt when I got engaged and I would be talking about my, like I would say my fiance and be like, oh, wow, congratulations. Like, no, oh, you don't, no, I'm not asking you to congratulate yeah. me. Like, yeah. I'm just saying a fact, but that's how I feel like even yeah. now. Oh yeah. Well, my dad passed away. Oh. Oh, no, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. it's okay. I'm just, let's yeah, turn this yeah. into like a, a therapy session. You're right. like, no, we just, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. But I think, um, and I think we had talked about before too, like now that I'm in this situation, I never assume that somebody does have both parents. Yeah. And even if that's not because their parent passed away, maybe their parent, they're not talking to their parent. Yeah, they have I a know. falling out with them. Maybe, you know. But I never used to come at it from that lens. Mm-hmm. I always was like, where your, where do your parents live? And now I say, like, do you live near family? Mm-hmm. Is your family here? Right. Or any, like, literally any other right. language. Yeah. Which is just, yeah, it's interesting how it just, like, reframes everything. Right, or, like, I kind of, I'll take, I'll kind of hear people say things. Like, for me, I'll always say, well, my mom said this, or I did this with my mom, or my mom is making dinner for this, or something. And I always say my mom. And so yeah. when I hear people say that a lot, where they just talk about one parent, yeah. then I just, I'm not going to then say, well, well, then what about your dad? What is he right, doing? Right, <laughs> But people do say that to me. Yeah. We were trying to pry. Right. And then there was also a part of me who was, when I used to hear people refer to only one parent, I would think divorce. And so then I was worried that if I say, like, I'm going to my mom's house... Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, contentious divorce. And then part of me is like, who the cares what you think? But yeah. But now when I hear people only refer to one parent, I immediately go to the other one died. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it totally shifts like your perspective on, on everything. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then I think the rest of my like, grief story would be that then two so my dad died in 2007 and then in 2009 almost exactly two years later my grandfather died who I was very close to and he was like a paternal figure to me and then um 
And then two years later, almost exactly two years later, my grandmother died too. And they, they were both like lived a mile away from me growing up. They were like my other set of parents. And so it was just like a constantly, like I felt like every time, every two years I was back at the funeral home, back at the cemetery. And it was, it was just sort of a weird every two years thing. And then I became really scared of odd years where I didn't want to do anything on an odd year, even I didn't want to get married in 2019 because I was yeah. like scared of odd years. So I made us have a rushed wow. five year or five month wedding planning so we could get married in 2018 because oh I like God. didn't want to get married in That's a lot years. of loss. Yeah. But I think I'm very lucky that, um, you know, I have very resilient people in my life that yeah. helped make it a very, I don't know if it's a weird way to say like a seamless transition into no, I mean, a different lifestyle. Yeah. Um, when, after my dad died, whenever I'd hear of somebody, um, who had lost a parent, um, around my same age, I would try to message them on Facebook or something yeah. and say something. You did it to me. I remember you did it to me. I should preface this. So Anna is a friend. We have a mutual friend. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I remember when I lost my dad, I got a message from, and I hadn't seen you in like 10 years. Yeah. Longer. I think we like, like met each other one time. Literally one time. I think <laughs> yeah. we were like 14 or 15 years yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would usually try to reach out to people. And I mean, of course, like even you and I have completely different stories right, of what grief is. And I can't you know. say I understand fully about what your experience sure. was. And likewise. Yeah. But I would, I would kind of give a metaphor of saying, um, I was like, right now it feels like you're looking through a tunnel and you're like, how will I ever get to the yeah. other side of this tunnel? And what does that other side of the tunnel even look like? Like, and what I would try to tell people is like, you will get th- like, this tunnel isn't mm-hmm. a dark tunnel. You'll never get, you will get out on the other end. It's just going to be a completely different world. It's not a bad world, but it's yeah. going to be different. It'll never be the same that it was on the other side. Um, which, uh, kind of reminds me of the, the silly clip I sent you from Grey's Anatomy where it's like <laughs> the character, he just, one of the characters had just lost his dad and no another idea. character's like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, there's a club, it's called the Dead Dad's Club. Yeah. And, you know, you can't understand until you're actually yeah. in it. And um, I just thought that was like a really, yeah, the clip that's really stayed with me for so long. Yeah. And then at the end he says something like, I don't know how to exist in a world where my dad doesn't. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, that never really changes. Yeah, And I, I think know. that's something to really stick with people is that you will get to the other side, but it's never going to be the same. It's not going to, it doesn't mean like your life is going to be horrible the rest yeah. of your life. It's just not going to be the same yeah. as it was. Yeah. So then how did you keep up that attitude three times after? Because that is, I remember after my dad died, as devast I mean, devastation doesn't even begin to describe it, but there was this sense of relief that that was the worst thing that will ever happen to me. And I will never experience that again. Like I am, I am now immune of any future pain, which clearly is not true. Um, so like, how did you keep bouncing back? I think because I knew I was okay after my dad, I knew that I would still be okay after mm-hmm. each one. Um, I may think it's a little different. Grandparents, they're older. They yeah, die. Yeah, they yeah, kind of anticipated true. a little bit more. But my grand, my grandparents were still pretty young and lively. Um, so my grandfather, he was I mean, he was a sicker person. So he 
that wasn't as much of a shock, but my grandmother... And these were your mother's parents? My mom's parents. parents? That's mm-hmm. right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother, that was definitely much more of a um, completely unpredictable, sudden thing. She um, was super healthy, tennis player, was the first one in our family to have an iPhone. I mean, she was like <laughs> super hip lady, shopped at Chico's, you know, just sure, like a... Sure, sure, gotta have Chico's. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... She and she had taken care of my grandfather for a really long time, and so when he passed, I think she had a little bit of a, wow, I could you know Identity. travel the world. Oh, I, oh, yeah, she was kind of yeah, she was like, I'm free, free in a way, yeah. just that she can live her life because she was really young and energetic, um, or not really young, but she was energetic. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so my mom and my aunt, my brother and my cousin and my grandma were on a trip in Europe. Um, and they, my mom remembers they were sitting somewhere in Paris and all of a sudden my grandma was just like, I do not feel well. And it was like, something's wrong. I don't feel well. And they ended up having to cut this trip short. And then they came back to Denver and she was still not feeling well. They had like every test under the sun. Nothing was wrong. Nothing. They couldn't find anything that could possibly have gone wrong. And she was just so convinced, like she was there was something that she was in extreme pain. She just didn't know what it was. And so she ended up having to be hospitalized in a like psychiatric unit Jeez. because she was kind of unraveling in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was hospitalized and, um, and then she came home and um, we had like a caregiver come and live with her. And then she decided to end her life the way I, you know, the way that she felt like she needed to. I still today don't know how or what, like I decided I didn't want to know that. But um, I truly believe that this was her choice to, like this was, she knew this was her last choice that she could make in her life Mm. because pretty much the next step was her probably having to go to a nursing home or something where then all of your decisions are made for you. Yeah, exactly. And she, I think as someone who was so independent was like, that is not what I want. And so she made that decision. And I think, I mean, I, I think the pain that we all had from that decision was horrible and, you know, traumatic and something that will always be something that we're very obviously sad and in pain with, but she, um, it gives me comfort knowing that I think this was the way that she had to go be, to yeah. relieve the pain that she was having. And I think by ex- accepting that, I have been able to take away the, you know, anger or the way, like, what could, could we have done something to, yeah. to stop her from doing this? Because, um, it was her choice. And sometimes the way to die from pain that is unexplained, whether that's in your brain or whatever is going on is to make that decision. Um, and I think that she, she knew that this was the only way that she would go probably. Wow. I, I've never thought about it in that way of, I don't know how to word like that, that this is, you're comforted in that she made this decision because there is this powerful piece of me that is, is like, this is my dad did not 
want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is, that's not who he was. Mm-hmm. He didn't mean to do this, but he did. And I, and I know he had, I know he was in unspeakable pain. I mean, for someone to have such horrible depression that they end their lives, it's, it's something I, I can't fathom. I mean, it needs, it, it defies science. You, you know, we like, we fight for life. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the way you explain that is, it sounds like it just brought you some like inner peace and. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's so much conversation around suicide prevention yes. and like, we got to prevent suicide, but really suicide prevention there's only so much you can do as That's a non-person. What, right. I'm like, what does that mean? Right. I always wonder that because then they're like, this. It, there's a whole movement, which is upsetting. I mean, suicide is, the numbers are rising. But then I think like, what does suicide prevention look like? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Because then if you ever, I don't know if you've ever been to therapy and talked about suicide, but I have and in groups and the you know, you're constantly told, like, it's not your fault. There's literally nothing you could have done. You, so much of therapy for survivors of suicide is spent removing yourself of blame. So then I'm, I'm like, then I don't know what suicide prevention looks like. Right. Like, I don't get it. I mean, I I guess this suicide prevention is more letting the people who are contemplating suicide know that there are, there are other options. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give the impression that I think my grandmother couldn't have done other things to get better. I mean, right. I think, I don't think that was her only choice. I think this, but I, I want to respect her that no, I don't I think, think she yeah. was out of her, like, I don't, it could have been she was out of her mind or that, you know, something, maybe she had a stroke or something that like wasn't help, was yeah. hindering her processes to make good decisions. But I, I think the way to move on, I mean, there's nothing else we could, there's nothing we can do now. So I, I feel like the way to do it is to just accept that she was out of her pain and that she's in a, in a better place. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. Right. I know. I, I, I struggle with that idea that like, what could be a better place, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think with the whole idea around someone being in a better place or just different ways that people rationalize death too kind of brings me to another kind of topic I was going to bring up around how you choose to grieve someone or remember someone Mm -hmm. in what feels authentic to you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there's a religious component component of someone's in a better place. They're in heaven or they're with God or wherever they are. Um, I ever since I was a kid was an atheist. I never got on board with any, I mean, I grew up Jewish, but I was, I just never had that kind of mind frame. And so when, or frame of mind, um, I I was just like, yes, yes. I know that's a good word. Um, so, but then when my dad got sick and, and then died, I, it was definitely like, whoa, there's, there's no way there's a God, like why on earth would there be someone who would take this this super healthy, lively guy and, and everything like that. And so, um, I, I didn't have that kind of 
and I'm not to say that people who are, who are religious, I think they would find tons of com- comfort in their religious right. beliefs in explaining why someone, why their loved one died. And that right. I think there's a really lovely idea that someone's in a better place. That's something that's very comforting to people who are still alive. Um, but it just made me think too about traditions or ways that you honor your loved ones. Um, I have the only times I've been to the cemetery where my dad is was his funeral and then just because I was in the same mm-hmm. land plot with my grandparents' funerals. But those are the only times I've actually gone to visit his gravesite. Well, and then his unveiling, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which is a Jewish tradition. Um, but it's a tra- Here, I'm in a tangent. Yeah. It's a tradition where in Judaism, um, you bury the deceased like in, it's like three days, I think, max. And then there's no, the grave isn't marked for a year. Um, and that the purpose of that is to sort of let the grievers or the loved ones, um, I, I don't want to say move on, but it technically is just sort of their, to not hold on and, and come and visit the grave frequently. It's, it's a way to like cut the cord, I guess. Um, and then at the one year anniversary, you mark the grave with the headstone and, and mm-hmm. there's a little ceremony and then. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I do not go to the cemetery because that is not where I feel my dad's presence, totally. where I, I don't want to associate graves with my dad like death yeah. with my dad um but- I went to my dad's one time and that was it mm-hmm. after the unveiling I went I was just having like a crappy day and I was so upset and I went and just like sat there and cried but not as much as I thought I would I was like mm-hmm. you know what he's this is not no he's not here yeah and I left and I haven't been that was years ago right so sorry I didn't well, need to cut no you off. not at all and and I think the thing that feels sort of weird is that my dad was a huge grave visitor that's what he did like well not like just any graves but like I was like (laughs) no like he every time we went back to where he grew up we would always make a trip to go to the cemetery where my grandparents were buried and we'd always like bring the rocks which is another Jewish tradition where you put rocks on the um headstone um and we'd be like hey nana papa like you know and and that I have tons of memories of visiting yeah. their grave sites. And then there was some friend of my dad's who died. And every Christmas morning, my dad would be like, I'll be back. And he would go and visit this, this guy's, um, grave site. And so I, f- I feel kind of bad about it because that was something that was so important to my dad to visit someone's grave. Yeah, but to I, me, that is just not at all. I feel my dad when I'm on a run or when I'm on a hike or at yeah. a baseball game or yeah. eating Mexican food or, I mean, <laughs> doing whatever that, like, that's where I feel his presence and not sitting in, like, a cemetery filled with people who are dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's I was kind of thinking around, like, you know, when t- people talk about the five love languages and yeah. what what do you, is it what you give to somebody or what they want in return and I'm like am I not doing my dad's love language by not visiting his cemetery because his love language of grief was visiting a gravesite but that is not at all my comfort or something that I want to do to remember him oh that's so interesting I never thought of that wow yeah so then um so yeah there were always things like on the year anniversary of when he died my sometimes my sister or my mom or my brother we would go on a hike or do something fun um that was just way more something that felt like we were around him or you know if we were at 
even on not the year anniversary, but if I'm at an ocean or a lake or something, he loved big bodies of water. Just like those are the times when I think about him or sometimes, you know, when there's a really beautiful sunset and I'm like, oh, that's because my, like my dad did that for yeah, me or, yeah. um, like even my wedding was supposed to be like a blizzard and then that day was beautiful. I'm like, that's because like my dad was here yeah. doing that. Like, I think that's where I feel his presence, but it not being sitting by the gravesite. Um, but then the latest tradition that, um, I've started doing is, um, my husband's mom is from Mexico mm-hmm. and, um, the first time I ever went to his apartment, I saw he had this little Day of the Dead altar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he had pictures of his his dad also died when he was in um, college. Oh, wow. And then his grandparents and some aunts and stuff were, um, he had those hanging up. And then he had little knickknacks of things that they loved. Like one, like, I think one aunt liked to play cards and he had a deck of cards there. And his dad liked to surf. So he had like a surfing cleaner thing on you know just different things yeah Yeah. (laughs) and um uh and he had little um kind of fake food to put out and he had these little lights hanging up and I just thought that was the coolest tradition to honor somebody because it was honoring their life their life yes exactly so we've now lived together um for two um for two Day of the Deads, and we've created our own altar, and we combined our families. We have them hanging up, and we have our own little knickknacks, and I just think that is such an awesome way to celebrate life, and um, so, you know, my dad took me to visit my grandparents at a gravesite, but I'm going to tell my kids about my dad by being like, let's put his picture up, and let's put like a baseball card out because he loved baseball and stuff like that. So, you know, you can create your own traditions. It doesn't have to do whatever feels authentic to you. If mm-hmm. if it is, if it does feel good to you to sit by a gravesite and ball your eyes out, yeah. then do that, yeah, you know. Course. So that's yeah. your, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I do think you have to sort of speak your love language when it comes to grief because you want to honor your loved one the best that you can, but you also have to, cope with your feelings the best way you can mm-hmm. um what do you do to to either remember or celebrate uh, your dad I have so much of his stuff my dad was a huge history buff so I have well okay so in my parents house growing up he had the most incredible collection of books organized chronologically and if I took one out to look at it, it was like really bad. So he was like, you need to remember where it went. Like blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. Like I see this place that it's where I took it from. I, I will put it back. Like yeah. relax. So then I remember as I was going through it after he died. I mean, this was recently because it was when we had moved into our house and I was going through it and I was like taking the books that I wanted. And I was just thinking as I was pulling the books out and like moving them out of order, my dad would have just been like, son of a, like (laughs) he was just standing over me. So pissed. Um, I'm trying to, I, I feel like I don't have, now I'm so inspired after your day of the dead story that I, that's yeah. I just try and have so much of his stuff around the house. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad smoked pipes. And so I have like the tobacco, like the smell. I have his whole set. He had these beautiful, beautiful pipes. Mm -hmm. And I still have his little container of tobacco. And I I mean, it just smells so good. Um, Yeah. I don't, it's so interesting you say that about the Day of the Dead. Because I was talking about that yesterday. Because I was talking about the movie Coco. Yeah. Which... 
Pixar just gets you right in the feels. Right. But I think that is such a beautiful tradition, like in the Mexican culture, mm-hmm. of honoring these lives. And I just, I, I, I love it so much. I think it's so cool that you have that connection. Yeah. And it's really nice too. It's a annual thing. Like we have a little box in our basement then. So come October, we take out our little shoe box and we set it all up and yeah. we, and we're like, Oh yeah, this is the thing that we have for your dad. And it was just like a really nice, Yeah, we, we spend a ha- like, you know, half a day putting it together and it's just yeah. really nice. We keep it up for a month and we, it's become very fancy with these cool blinking lights. They're and, so intricate. Like yeah. they're beautiful. Yeah. Do you, do you ever wonder, I get you and your husband, um, how to like preserve your dad's legacy to your children? I think about that all the time. Like, how do I explain him to them? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. Like, it's weird that I'm like, my kids will know him at yeah. all that he, I mean, he'll be so long gone when my right. kids even will learn to ask about him or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what I would do to preserve that is to do things with them that he did with me, like go to baseball games, continue, mm-hmm. even though I'm not a avid baseball fan, but, but the hot dogs, yes, you know, yes. Or God. the ice cream in the little cup that's <laughs> yeah. like a hat or yeah. something. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, taking my kids to a baseball game saying my dad always brought me to the baseball game yeah. or, or, um, you know, p- playing in the pool or just doing things that my dad liked to do, I think would be the way that I do that is tell him what, because as I said at the beginning is that so much of my memories of my dad are being a kid because yeah. those, that was the time I had had him in my life. And so I, I'd so want to, to time like of, freezes for yeah. you. Like that is your time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when I'm raising kids, I'll be like, all I know is what my mom and dad did with me. Yeah. And so, and my dad was there. So. Yeah. I want to go back. I'm so backtracking to when we were talking about, because this is something I, I addressed in my first episode and I got so many messages about afterwards are the things that people say to you mm-hmm. afterwards and, and learning how to dodge while still speaking to someone so like dodging their questions and still having a conversation it's yeah like that what was that experience like and did it change from like dad to grandpa to grandma or was dad harder um I asked a lot of questions (laughs) I I think what since he died when I was younger I just I think a lot of people didn't really know what to talk about. I think even in the podcast before this, your the person that was on was saying that she didn't know how to be there for her friend. Mm, I think right. when you're young, you really don't know how to be there. Um, yeah. I think that's when you kind of know, you can see a lot in people who come out. I mean, our mutual friend, we weren't even that close in high school. And then she was like the most amazing person mm. during that summer yeah. that he died that we're now like lifelong friends because of that. I mean, you just see people's true colors, which is, um, you know, I have, I have friends who were like literally, my dad died in our house and they were there. Like I had some friends that were actually in the house when he died. They will always be probably the closest people I will ever know because they were there with me during like the hardest time in my whole entire life. Yeah. Um, 
but I think with conversations with, with my dad, it was just cause I was young and I think people just were like, Oh my gosh, I can't even right. imagine what that was like. I don't, right. I just don't feel like I really talked a lot about it. And I think now that I'm older, I talk about it more because I am meeting more people who are losing parents because we are getting older, yeah. unfortunately. Oh That's so weird to think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even 11 years later, there's some really crazy things that happen. I, um, real I, zingers out yeah, there. Yeah, I, uh, I was doing an internship for grad school, and the guy who was kind of my supervisor had known my dad, and um, I was in a meeting, and so the, actually this, he, my dad was probably gone for about eight or nine years at this point, and um, so this was recent. Yeah, for, okay. yeah. So it's like oh two, yeah, grads. You said yeah, okay, it's yeah. like a year or two ago, and um, so my the guy who knew my dad, we were in a meeting, and he was like, oh, this is Anna Michaels. Um, actually, you guys know, uh, do, you, do you guys remember Bill Michaels? This is Anna's. This is Anna, his daughter, and this woman goes, oh, Bill Michaels. What is he up to? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't. And I was like, oh, um, and I just kind of let it go. Just, I just didn't answer and we moved on and then the meeting kind of is going on and and everything. And then at the end she goes, please, please tell your dad that whatever her name was, Sally said hi, please tell him what is he up to? And I was like, okay, well, I I can't let this go on anymore. You you must know, lady. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, oh, um, well actually he's, he's. Like he passed away quite a bit ago and she just like the, her, she just turned Turn. a sheet white and she's like, oh. oh my God. And she turns to the, to my supervisor and she's like, did I know this? And he was like, yeah, you knew this. But I think because it had been so long, I mean, I think when someone, you know, dies, it's in your mind for a couple of years, but right. then when it's eight, 10 years later, you're like, oh yeah, what happened to that guy? And you're like, oh right. He died. Oh I forgot about that. God. <laughs> that is horrifying. I hope I never do that to someone else. I mean, if you do, it'll be a funny Hopefully story the person on a podcast. Has, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully the person has a sense of humor. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think now just in conversation, it's just more, I feel, I definitely feel more open talking about my dad. I think before I, I avoided it because it just made me sad and I didn't like yeah. being sad. A hundred percent. Yeah. I know now, well, I mean, I have podcast devoted to it so I was about to say I I sort of feel more comfortable but <laughs> yeah. like I clearly feel very comfortable now yeah but yeah I guess you just have to sort of develop a sense of humor about it my dad had a really good sense of humor yeah and he would he would have laughed at that story that you yeah. just said <laughs> I mean he was like oh this is so my so we were well before he died this used to be the joke that he wanted to, he would say, like, whenever I die, I want my gravestone to say, what are you looking at? <laughs> so when we were deciding what to put on his headstone, we were like, do we put that? Like, I kind of want to put that. Yeah. But we didn't. You didn't. But I really, oh, we should have. We messed up. Yeah. <laughs> we messed up. Like, can, can we put two on there? Yeah. Just put a little, like, extra. Yeah, just like a cross lighter. out of that one and then yeah. <laughs> make it look like it was been defaced. No, yeah. I would never. Um. So how has this impacted or changed or anything, your relationship with your mom? Well, my mom and I have always been best friends, like yeah. literally since I could probably talk. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would get in the car after school and tell her 
every single thing about my day, whether she liked it or not. Um, (laughs) so I think obviously all the loss that we had brought us even closer, Mm -hmm. but I think so much of when you ask about how have I been able to get through each loss has like absolutely been because my mom is pretty much the strongest person I will ever know. I mean, when I, now that I am married and I think about what it would be like if I, like yeah. I've been married for four months and I'm like, what would, what would happen if my husband died? Yeah. I mean, just to think that my mom lost her husband, the father of her children. Yeah, and I know. I think about that too. Yeah. And she was still able to you know, function. Wake, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so there's a story that she tells a lot that I think is really, um, just says a lot about how she handled everything. So about a week or two after my dad died, she was taking my brother to school and he was in elementary school and um, she ran into another parent and the parent came up to her and she was like, you know, I just want to let you know, I lost my dad when I was very young, but not only did I lose my dad, I lost my mom because she was just not there anymore. You know, she was so distraught. She, you know, couldn't get out of bed. And so she was just like, I lost both of my parents when my dad died. And my mom was she she says this it was like such a wake up moment like I am not gonna let my kids lose both of my both of their parents and that is what she did I mean she gave us such the the um we knew we were safe because she was okay yeah I think when you see your adult parent lose it then you're like oh my gosh we're we're not gonna be okay but she she told us we were gonna be okay and I I mean I do know that our family was able to be resilient because of all others. I'm a social worker. So all the other <laughs> systematic things at play were helped our family be resilient. Cause you know, there are people where they lose a parent and the other parent needs, like, they don't have any money or, you know, there's yeah. other things. And, um, and so we were able to be resilient for a lot of privileged things in our lives. But my mom for absolutely is the person that was our rock through mm-hmm. every loss and you know she lost her mother to suicide and still was able to Jeez. you know take care of us and tell every, us that everything's okay and and she even has kind of the same perspective I am that you know there was nothing else we could have done for my mom, my grandma and yeah everything like that so I just think there's so much about kind of shift just knowing that you're going to be okay the resiliency there and and just know, my mom having that thought of, I can't let my kids lose both of their parents was just, yeah. I think, a life savior to me and my siblings. Right. Yeah. I, because I was an adult when my dad died, I had, I had an adult perspective on, I had been married for two months after I lost my dad. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't understand how my mom is doing this. Um, and, you know, when you're a kid, you know, well, now I have like a, an infant essentially, and she feeds off of my reactions to everything. So she's now learning how to like stand or do anything like that. And she falls over and she, I see, she just turns and looks at me to be like, should I cry? <laughs> like she literally, that's her face. She's like, what's, what are we doing? Um, and that just carries with you because being an adult, I'm 30 now. And when I see my mom upset, it's this immediate sense of I'm not safe, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
so to witness my mom going through all of this and and wanting to still be here for my sister and me I just I I'm also very close with my mom and I yeah I can't imagine I can't imagine losing a spouse let alone a spouse with whom I've had children Mm is just and I think my mom's role modeling has also been very um important in my growth as a woman Mm -hmm. I mean I I married I you know hope I live the rest of my life with my husband but I have kind of had this idea in my mind like I will be okay no matter what Mm -hmm. I mean I my mom was okay um and so I think there's something around just having that feeling safe in your own in yourself too like everything will be okay even if I lose this loved one and or or anything happens like whatever hardship that happens in your life you'll be okay and I think um that was just a really important role model in my life that going into any relationship or that I will I am in control of my life and that and that's what my mom did she took control of her life which I think is just I'm very lucky for that yeah yeah because I've seen it go the other way Mm-hmm. when it comes to grief it can go it can get really ugly mm-hmm. um and it's, I still feel like sometimes it gets really ugly and this is such an obscure reference have you seen the show Big Mouth on Netflix no Ugh, it's hilarious but there is the whole sh- the whole premise of the show is that it's like preteens and their hormone monsters which are actual characters on the show which are the driving force behind all teenagers, as we know. Right. And and then there are a couple episodes where there is a shame, a shame wizard is what he's called. And I remember feeling that way anytime I would just, I would become slightly unhinged. Mm. Um, because that's so, I'm like, what, I'm not doing myself any favors. I'm not. You know, I see other people out there who have lost parents or loved ones or whatever, and they're totally fine. But then, you know, this like this voice comes into your head and you're just like, I'm attacked and you crumble. But I, at the end of the day, I do. I also feel like my mom completely set the tone of how to grieve, which isn't, I guess, I don't know. Now I'm backtracking because I don't think that. There is a right way to grieve, but yeah. well, and then my mom did exactly what you're doing now. She took a, she did a second career. She went back to, God, she went to grad school, amazing. got her master's in counseling. She's now an LPC. She does a lot of grief therapy. She wrote a book. Like I mean, she took wow. her experience and completely flipped it around to help other people, which I think you and my mom are just Thank helping you. so many people, which is Thank so Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah. But I also just want to just to kind of wrap up everything I've been saying. I don't (laughs) want you to think that if a parent or or anyone did fall apart when someone died and, and, you know, wasn't as resilient doesn't mean that they're weak or or doing it wrong or something like that. I'm just telling my my experience, but I hope that my experience and my mom's experience can give some a different perspective of just knowing that 
you'll be okay right. and that you can still live a life. My, you know, my mom's remarried and lives a great life yeah. and has a new career and, um, you know, that, I mean, you can only speak to, to your experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no one is like an expert on grief. No, like this podcast does not exist because I have all the answers yeah. and you know, I mean, that's, this is my perspective. This is your perspective. This is my experience. This is your experience. And yeah, there were plenty of times that my mom was completely unhinged and I'm sure there were times your mom was, Yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, right. I, yeah, I'm like repeating myself, but yeah, it's like, it's weird that we're, we're not experts in grief, but because we've, we're part of the club or whatever <laughs> right. you would say is it's we're all just have like a little nugget of an experience that kind of creates a whole, yeah. Um, just what grief is, is there's no, there's no rule book of how you're supposed exactly. to Exactly. Exactly. Which is all the more reason why you can take these nuggets. Some of them, some of them can be, people have said stuff to me in the immediate, like the aftermath of right after losing my dad. And I was, I remember thinking to myself, you know, you're in, I remember when you reached out to me and you were like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. This isn't it. This is not it for you. And I remember thinking, yes, it is Mm -hmm. like, yes, there is no way I will ever be happy again. There is no way I will ever find joy again. But then you have these nuggets in the back of your mind and, and then they, they sort of come through as years pass. And I've alluded to that in several episodes that time very organically heals you. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's my ultimate goal with this is to just have this community of support for people. Right. And I think the more people you have to come on, my story might not resonate with a bunch of people and your story resonates with other people. And so the more you have other experience, then you'll be like, Oh, that person totally talked to my experience. Right. Exactly. And maybe you'll feel a little bit comforted by that. Yeah. I did not pay her to say that, you guys, by the way. But that is a plug <laughs> if you do want to share your story. Um, I, I would love to hear it. So, yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom to leave with the group? Um, geez. You don't have to. I feel okay. like that was um, it was a joke, but you yeah. looked like, like I was really asking that. Yeah, but no, not. I mean, <laughs> I, I just hope that everyone knows that you know, you can, you, life is going to be different, but you will, you'll make it. And yeah, you'll find your new normal. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anna. It was really wonderful having you and hearing your perspective and your story and resilience and yeah. Great. Thanks so much. And thank you all for joining us. Continue to take care of yourself and remember that there is an entire community of people who get you.